All right. Good morning, guys. How are y'all doing this morning? Doing great. Good. good, good. Thank you. How a, many little, cups of... a little slow on the uptake this morning, but I... <laughs> uh, how many cups of coffee are we down today? Well, I'll show you again. I got. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I got a, I'm going to my backup now. Well, mm. I only have one. This is my fourth. Yeah. Wow. How about that? I'm going for something strong. I've got some highly concentrated lemonade this morning. So a little change of pace, a little change of pace. Just some days you get up, you just want something cold instead of hot. Now I did drink yeah. a little coffee already early, early this morning, okay. but uh, yeah, change it, change of pace there. So, uh, so brothers, we had the Lord's day yesterday. Uh, how was it? Everything was great. Uh, Sunday school, that teacher, little Rocky, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Great job. Great job on that long song, Mike. I'll tell you yeah. what, that is. Yeah, he uh, moved, moved around up quite well yeah. on that. You yeah. know what? Will Wittenbrook leaned over to me and he said something. I forgot exactly what he said, but he said, wow, the covenant theology is just really flowing this morning. I said, yeah, yeah. it sure is. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's, but that's, uh, I mean, that's from my reading. I, it's, it was all about covenant theology. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So how, how were your days yesterday? You guys had the, uh, the two small groups right after church. I had, uh, Matt small group, which Matt's out because of the birth of Charlie. And so we met over at Janice and Davis's house, uh, David's house. It, 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 ours went well. I mean, a lot of good discussion on, on, on guarding the speech and, and just what, even stuff that could be, you know, uh, uh, true, but uh, said in the at, at the wrong timing or when the situation didn't warrant, how mm. it it doesn't really build up it, uh, uh, others that it can have a negative, an opposite effect. So I mean, a lot of good discussions in our group uh, on that matter. And in yeah. fact, in the parking lot, <laughs> there was even some individuals that were saying, you know. That they said, ouch, you know, I'd stepped on a lot of toes. In fact, they said that it should have stepped on everybody's toes. I mean, because everybody's probably uh, yeah. guilty of the of not guarding their word words or, or speech. And uh, uh, so, I mean, it was uh, one individual said, uh, uh, well, uh, that, that's me all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, I, I got I got hit yesterday with it too. We were, uh, uh, you know, I'm usually at the back door, and it seemed like everyone had gone out that was going to go out. So I I'd come in, and uh, boy, there were uh, folks hung around for a long time, and a lot of the folks who hung around were some of the uh, the the younger folks. I mean, they were yeah, there for I like noticed twenty that. minutes, I and uh, so I was talking with uh, Jen and Logan, who were over there with uh, with um, who were they? Oh, they were talking to uh, Will and uh, Karis, and so uh, so you know that they had in the in the works, you know, plans to to get a bunch of our our, our sort of younger twenty somethings together for lunch and everything. So so I told Jenna, I said, well, now's the time to ask because I said you you got them all out here. You know, there was uh, Grace and Davis, there was Josh Rachita. Uh, you had, you know, uh, Will and Karis who were there. And, um, I think you had, uh, someone else, uh, uh, 
uh, Amy and Mike, they, they were absent yesterday, but they would have been two more. But but I said, you, you got everyone here. And I, I, I was pointing and saying, you know, them and them and them and them. And then there was Will Wittenbrook. And I said, no, nah, he's he's too old. And so so later on, he came over to me. He said, too old. He said, now, was that an unwholesome word? <laughs> I, I said, well, I said, I, I was just stating the truth. They were looking for the younger <laughs> group. And you're just a little out of that now. But you're yeah. not as old as me. So right. there you yep. go. Yeah. Yeah, it's not only a matter of what you say, but it's also timing as well. I think you threw that in. That's right. That's uh, we, right. We, we we had a good group as well. Good, good, good. I was at uh, uh, Brian's and well, Dan's leading it now, and uh, we had a, we had a, a good discussion. Uh, it you know it varied to to different points in it. Uh, yeah, again, there was a conviction uh, about what we say and. Uh, and of uh, how we say it and, and timing of things and, and so forth. Um, and yeah, I'm, uh, Mike, I'm with you. I mean, after the service, I, uh, was talking, talking to uh, a couple of ladies and, uh, one of them came to me and said, I'm, I'm in real trouble. I'm, I'm in real trouble. And of course, yeah, I, you know, wanted to know what it was. And then she was talking about this sermon about, you know, how it drilled her between the eyes in terms of, uh, yeah, she likes to talk, uh, and she was concerned about you know, uh, about about her her speech, and uh, and I assured her. I mean, uh, I said what Pastor said is is not necessarily that quantity is bad; it's quality that's important. Mm-hmm. You can you I mean you can have a lot of really good words and helpful words, and you don't have a supply where you just have a hundred words like Twitter, you have, you know, what hundred yeah. uh, although I think Twitter's up, up their limit, but you have 120 words and then you, you've got to go. Uh, but no, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just a matter of, well, it's like everything else. And we'll kind of talk about that today in the lesson. I mean, it's a, it's, it's just a matter of providence. It's a matter of, um, realizing, um, as Van, as you said, that it is a, uh, that our, that our, our speech or our, our mouth, uh, so to speak, is like a spiritual thermometer. Uh, we we really we really can get somewhat of a reading from that of the things that come out of us. Uh, but by the same token, it is by by uh, by uh, the disciplines of grace. I mean, it mm-hmm. it can be contru- con- uh, controlled, as as James says, um, of, of the tongue. I mean, he ha- he has probably has more to say about the tongue than most anybody else and very practical stuff so, yeah. but anyway it was a very it was a very very good meeting a good discussion yeah excellent excellent all right well and brothers it, oh go ahead mike i was gonna say at the end of our at the end of our group when we were breaking up uh there was uh uh phil wanted to make sure his zip line was was working fine you know i don't know if you know but phil put a zip line in for uh gabby i think it was a birthday gift i believe so you know he he'd been asking me. Uh, you need to write it, Mike. You need to write it. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. So so I wrote it at the end of the day when we got finished. And so Mike uh, Mike and I walked out there, and I was uh, climbing the ladder, and I was on it, getting ready to go. And Phil 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 was coming out the back door of his house, and he said, "You can't go yet, Mike, because I need to be there to make sure it works." And I'm going, "What do you mean to make sure it works?" <laughs> Yeah, it looks like if uh, if it doesn't work, you'll know real quick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so did so did you do it? Did it work? I did it. I did it. It worked. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
I should but, tell uh, him, let yeah. me go out there and I'll torture test it and see if it, <laughs> if it really, really can hold. All right. Well, guys, let, let's uh, let's get into this. And so uh looks like it's uh, uh, I've got uh, three minutes after eight. So we'll try yeah. to to land the plane on this thing around nine o'clock, maybe a couple minutes uh, prior. But uh, but we want to talk about the Trinity today and we want to talk about God's decree. Those are two very, very big doctrines. So I say this every week and I'll say it again. We're just going to merely touch on um, just just a few of the items here. And I would encourage, you know, those who are listening, uh, pick up Joel Beakey's book, volume one of his Reformed Systematic Theology, and you can get all of the details and the nuts and bolts on these things that we can just merely, uh, almost just, just mention really. And, um, and I would highly encourage it. Uh, just a word about it real quick. Uh, the systematic theology definitely gives you the theology of the doctrine. It gives you the biblical support of the doctrine, but it also gives you the practical uses of the doctrine as well. Uh, a lot of practical application. And then at the end of every chapter, it's got a, a, a hymn that is uh, suited toward what the particular doctrine was. It's got, it has questions uh, to to ensure that that you have a knowledge of of what you just read, and then it has questions for further reflection, which are more like practical questions, almost like day to day questions. Like if someone would approach you and ask this or ask that, uh, it, it, they're more like the thinking questions, not like the book answer type questions. And so those are good as well. They, they help you, you know, to sort of sink in on the meditation of, of the doctrine of what you just read. So, so I would highly commend this and guys, how about for our format this morning? Uh, we'll just merge, uh, all through the chapters, but there's so much instead of just sort of pacing through, uh, let's just sort of do a round table and uh, each one of us just take sort of out of the three individual chapters uh, points that jumped out to us, points that we want to address. And, uh, and you know, as, as one guy does that, uh, the other two can maybe comment briefly on that. And then, and then we'll just move on that way. So I'll, I'll kick it off just in, uh, in chapter one, he starts talking about the Trinity and he, he gives the historical development first before the next chapter, he's going to give the theological uh, uh, issues and also the practical issues with that. But uh, basically in the historical aspect, he really talks about how in church history, the doctrine of the Trinity was really codified in the Nicene Creed. And just basically, you know, the context around there, you have um, actually it was like a Christological controversy. You had Arius who was saying right. that, Christ is begotten, which, okay, Arius, you're, you're doing good there, but his definition of begotten is more like a, a, a natural beginning, like a creational beginning, like God has made. And in fact, he's got that, that little statement that, you know, there was a time when Christ was not, meaning that he was created. He is a created being. And of course, uh, you know, the modern day Arians today would be like the Jehovah's Witnesses. They would have the same doctrine as well. But the Nicene Creed, I just want to start off reading that, and then, uh, Mike, we'll just toss it to you for, for your comment, and Marvin, okay. to you, and, uh, you know, on, on what stood out to you guys, and we'll, like I said, we'll just kind of go roundtable format like that. But I just want to kick it off with this uh, this massive, massive statement from the historical church. The Council of Nicaea, the Nicene Creed, it says, we believe in one God, 
the Father Almighty, maker of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only begotten of the Father, that is of the substance, that's usia in the Greek, of the Father, God of God and light of light, true God of true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial, homo usian. Literally, that means same substance. And the way uh, homo is written, you need to understand in the Greek, that is singular. There's a difference between homo usius and homoousius. Yeah, and that's where the trouble is. Yeah, yeah exactly. that, that's where the trouble is. Yeah. So not made consubstantial homo usius with the Father by whom all things were made, both which are in heaven and on earth. We also believe in the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church anathematizes those who say, and when he says Catholic, this is before the Roman Catholic Church. This is, when we say Catholic, we're just talking about the universal church here. So don't bleed into, you know, everyone at this time was Catholic. Everyone was the universal church. So again, it's not Roman Catholic, just, just Catholic. But the Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church anathematizes or or curses, basically, those who say there was a time when he, meaning Christ, was not, and he was not before he was begotten, and he was made from that which did not exist. And those who assert that he is of other substance or essence than the Father, or that he was created, or is susceptible of change. So again, the, it's a great Trinitarian statement while you're putting down the Christological heresies. He's saying Christ has not been created. Christ is of the same substance of the Father. And all those who would claim that Christ is created or Christ is not of the same substance of the Father, you are outside of the bounds of the one universal apostolic Catholic, we would say small c, Catholic church. So guys, great statement on the Trinity. So I'll toss it over to you, Mike. We're talking about the Trinity. We're talking about, first of all, the historical development. So what, what really stood out to you in this chapter as far as the history of how the doctrine of the Trinity was hammered out in the church? Well, one thing that I was not aware of, and it gets towards the back end, the, the latter end of that first, that, that first chapter that we were, that we're talking about, and it was talking about the kind of like the East versus the West on how they looked at the, the beliefs of the, uh, of the, uh, uh, of the Trinity. Of, I think, I think it specifically dealt with the, uh, uh, the, with the, the Holy Spirit, uh, uh where where was the Holy Spirit uh, from or of from the sea? The sea, the um, filioque clause. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the per yeah. procession of the Spirit. Yes. Procession of the Spirit, and they said in, in the uh, in the see in the the Western Latin speaking Christianity, ideal gradually prevailed that the Spirit also pre proceeds from the Son, um, and then but yet the East. Uh, they did. They did not necessarily hold that, and and it, you know, it went through the history of of this the, the trying to come to agreement, and it just said the Eastern Greek speaking uh, rejected the filioque uh, filioque uh, clause from the beginning, and accused the Western theology uh, theologians of tampering with the creed, and the, the, this this gap. I mean, it, the gap. It said it. It, they never could come to agreement, and, the, and the, he said the gap widened between the uh, the east and, and it was dealing, I think, more like with uh, I guess uh, with the with the translations, maybe. I think that's where I remember reading. 
but they they never really resolved it and they, the gap is still there uh even day what it helped me uh, really because uh, i really did in some aspects of the the the, uh, the eastern orthodox church i really didn't understand what they really believed so when i was reading that about the modern eastern orthodox church i you know i it brought out uh, a distinction of what they believe compared to what 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 we what we believe and hold true regarding the uh, the trinity and the holy spirit so uh, that to me was very educational and I hope because I had, I had never uh, researched that or read on my the history of, of, uh, of the, the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, uh, in the different viewpoints as far as the East and the Western theology. And it, 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 to me, it looks like it was a matter of translations. You know, you have the Greek and then you have the, uh, the, the Eastern Greek and then you had the Western, um, uh, was it Latin, I think? Yeah, the Western Latin speaking, and maybe it's part uh, of how they they translate it. Uh, I'm not sure if Herman would it be hermeneutics, how they looked at it and how they defined it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, that I found very interesting. And in uh, uh, early in the chapter, you know, what, the illustration of the Trinity. Uh, I, you know, I've heard some of these, but one that I was surprised I didn't see in there. Usually, in the Trinity, when it's tried to be explained. Uh, they use the example a lot of times, at least in my uh, my history with uh, with the with the churches. The, the the example of the uh, of the egg, the uh, the yolk, the uh, the shell, and the um, the um, egg white, egg white. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, so, I mean, he, uh, they they use the analogy of the root, the tree, and the fruit, fountain, river, and stream, sun, ray of light, and focal point from the light. And um, so. Uh, very, very um, uh, interesting and uh, educational chapter, I thought, on the Trinity. And it started, uh, the historical aspect was, was good. And then towards the end, bringing in what other religions believe, uh, I thought was very beneficial. Um, and I, one thing that uh, Bonaventure, uh, you know, in his summary of the Trinity, um, one supreme being, two modes of uh, personal emanation, uh, three uh, three divine persons, uh, four relationships, and then five concepts of the previous. I mean, he went through all that, and I, I found that uh, uh, very uh, informative as well. Um, and it brings in the, uh, but I guess the bottom line is, um, they're, they're, they're all, it's, it's, it's three, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three, three, uh, and the, the words they used, I think, were uh, persons, mm-hmm. three persons, but one divine entity, and they're all, uh, uh, all uh, one divine uh, individual, they're one God, we don't have three gods, we have one, one God uh that that are that are uh linked i like the example and i thought it was very good and i can't remember if it was in this first chapter or not uh, uh but it gave the example of if you had a chain link and you grabbed one link and you pulled on it and the essence is pulling on that one link it's going to draw those other two links on the other side it's going to draw them together kind of like they're they're unified they're joined uh, together and they they work together and complement each other uh, they they have uh, different f- uh, functions, but they're all one in, in, in their common purpose and, and what they do. Mm-hmm. And I found mm-hmm. that uh, I, I mean I just it, I think that the Trinity is hard uh, is a, a difficult topic. Uh, 
hard to understand because we have a limited mind uh, and, and we'll never be able to understand fully the, the knowledge and of, that God has and of the Trinity. But uh, um, I thought a very good uh, first chapter uh, bringing it in. And there, you know, I, towards that second chapter, they started getting in some of these other aspects of the, uh, of, uh, I guess it was the, uh, the, uh, maybe it was the previous chapter, the econ economic, the eco economics, uh, that, that, and then, then they brought in the uh, parent role, uh, the, the yeah, eternal relationships. begotten relationships. I mean, all, all some, uh, um, I, I guess I want to say they introduced him and got into some deep discussions about those particular areas, which I, I had never been that deep in looking at the Trinity. Mm -hmm. Good, good. Well, thank you, Mike. Appreciate that. Yeah. So, uh, Marvin, uh, what jumped out at you? And then since, you know, we'll, we'll hear your comment and then get over to chapter two, which I think is probably the more important chapter because right. we talk about the theological uh, aspects of it. But just, just staying here in the historical uh, what was the major points uh, that you saw? And would you throw in a little De Trinitate, a little Augustine in there for us as well? Well, of course, you got to do Augustine. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got to do Augustine. Uh, uh, and I will call him Augustine because James Leo Garrett called him Augustine. I've told you before, Van, uh, uh, John Gershner used to say that St. Augustine is in Florida, St. Augustine is in heaven. <laughs> And I disagree well, that, with him. <laughs> well, that's what I've always called him too. And it's hard for me to hear that other, because especially Sproul, he's, he's Augustine. Augustine. Well, you know. yeah, sounds good. But again, I'll go with James Leo Garrett. That guy, that guy's yeah. forgotten more than I'll ever know. So, or <laughs> I, I, I say it in the past tense, because he's gone on to be with the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, no, I think, I think uh, starting with the Nicene Creed, I think is a, is a good point of departure on that because it was uh, kind of the, the uh, kind of the chicken emerging from the eggshell, you know, uh, I think, uh, I think uh, Beaky makes a good point of establishing, and this is important early on how that Trinitarian language or explicitly talking about the Trinity in the sense, in the sense roughly that we know it is something that happens very early in the church. Uh, and again, it works against that objection by many that this is a this is an invention of the councils and it's mm -hmm. not something that's organic with the scriptures and i i think that okay. it is i i think that it is uh it, it is organic with the scriptures and you see that uh in that uh in the anti-nicene church where he, he talks about that but but i do think that that the nicene creed actually does introduce uh does introduce the idea of uh, of uh, the one, the three and the one, uh, the one, uh, the one eternal God, uh, what we would call uh, in the Greek language, and uh, one of the councils uh, described it as Mia Usia Tria Hypostases, mm -hmm. uh, one uh, one being three three persons or three hypostases. Which he makes a big deal of later, and actually, that's the word that Calvin, I think, uh, prefers. Uh, and he tra he translates it as subsistence. But uh, in in moving on from that, you find there that uh, it is the uh, the place where historically, as it goes on, uh, we try to we try to wrestle with that. And, and the biggest uh, the biggest problem, I think, one of the biggest problems we have with that is the fact that 
uh, that we always think in terms of cause and effect. Everything, everything that we hear, uh, we have to instantiate with an image in our brain. Yeah, like like God. Uh, we think of God. We can't. We we cannot say God without failing to have some image in our brain, and yeah. that's the point. Is the fact that uh, that that's the way. On the one hand, that's a that's a feature, not a bug. <laughs> but that's yeah. the way God. That's the way God created us to be. Uh, yeah. Did, didn't, the, didn't Plato talk about that? Like you know the. Uh, we all have this figure like the chairness of a chair. Or yeah, something yeah, like that. yeah. The, yeah. When you say the, chair, everyone has a certain. Exactly. Yeah. There, there is the eternal or the unchanging uh, uh, image or uh, being, if you will, of the chair. And then everything mm-hmm. else is, is an instantiation of that. Yeah. Uh, but as uh, as the as the doctrine develops, uh we do see, uh, and I will get to Augustine, we do see uh, the most important work, not only of the early church period, uh, but also of the medieval and uh, the Reformation, lean very heavily upon upon Augustine in, in that regard. And I think he does a good job of, of laying that out uh, in terms of Augustine trying to, trying to, uh, uh, trying to come to terms with this on nine oh was it nine oh and I've got poor light here. Uh, I told you guys yesterday I got a terrible desk here for this kind of thing. <laughs> uh, not but in nine oh eight at the beginning, the first full sentence he says uh, he argued that Christ is the Creator God, not a creature, but of the same substance with the Father, and hence the true God. Um, and I think that lines with the Nicene Creed of uh, the the Creator of all. Uh, and to understand uh, and to understand it in that in that context, uh, he is the he is the creator of all, and as such, then there is that play or that is that conflict then um, of God in Himself as the way He or at intra as the way He relates to us at extra. In other words, uh, we basically just see the effects of what He does. And so at that point, then, with that imaging that we have there, uh, that's why we need to be careful about that. It is a feature. Uh, but again, we need to, and I think that's what the historical development of the Trinity does. It tries to get us to the point to where uh, to where we hold off that. Uh, and we try to and we try to understand that this idea of the Creator, which indeed the Son and the Holy Spirit were in creation. Uh, the New Testament is very clear that Christ is the Word. He is the agent of creation, and of course, the Holy Spirit is the one who hovers above the water and is indeed the uh, the instrument or the or or the effector of translation uh, of mm-hmm. of creation, with the Father being the plan of that. But as Augustine says, uh, it helps us then to uh, to think about the Trinity as we do that to think to get outside the normal categories of cause and effect. Um, and to start talking about it, as he says, basically in, uh, and, 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 and on the Trinity, uh, he has a lot of, he has a lot of, uh, uh, comparisons or illustrations, many of which are defective. Uh, yes. but the one, but, but the ones he mentions here, I, I think are probably the strongest and they have to do with, and they have to do with the mind, uh, the, as he says again, at the bottom of nine oh eight, 
compared the doctrine of man's uh, memory, understanding, and will. In other words, there's this integrative aspect of the mind, which doesn't talk about different states of being, but basically talks about a core, a core of being in its activity. Yeah. And I think that's very helpful because basically that's where the true doctrine of the Trinity lies is to think about the core of being in relationship in relationship to, uh, to true act as again, Mm -hmm. Beaky has introduced us to again and again is probably, is probably the best way to see that. Uh, the problem with that, however, is that uh, as a human analogy is we're not integrated beings. The Bible's very Mm -hmm. clear that there's a double minded man and so forth. So in terms of, on the one hand, it helps us to understand these things, but on the other hand, it falls down in the implementation of it. Um, and, um, he then go. Uh, he then goes on to talk about um, the uh, uh, psychological analogy. The Holy Spirit is the mutual love, and uh, and of course he says the dangers. Of, uh, Bicky says the danger of the psychological mo- uh, model is its emphasis upon the unity of God and tendency to lose sight of the distinct personalities of the three. And I think that indeed is is I think he's exactly right about that. And that's where the uh, analogy of the mind. I think. Although he's on the right track, I think uh, it's deficient, or it's it's not not defi- maybe not deficient, but uh, it's not a complete explanatory model in in that regard. Um, so it is. Um, I, I think I think in in some total, I, I think the problem we have is again with imaging here is to try to is to try to envision if we can to the best degree we can as a flo- as a philosopher would have us do it uh the idea of substance or being mm-hmm. uh and the idea that there is one substance or being we think of substance uh not in that sense uh again we're not greeks uh, uh we think of substance as uh as, as basically the uh the formula of something uh, but the being he's talking about there van as you were mentioning plato it i mean it, it basically is the foundation of greek philosophy is this mm-hmm. idea of the one and of the one and the many um is there a is there an archetype for everything of which what we have are the shadows of it or do we derive the real meaning of it from the individual instance and and infer from that or by uh by inductive reason do we get back to to what they to what they actually are in that sense, then it's hard for us to imagine being uh, and to uh, and to think about it in terms of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In terms of their having the same substance or the same being, but yet distinct personalities, while at the same time sharing in every aspect with all aspects of divinity the the uh, the essence or, or the essence of divinity mm-hmm. all of them are equally divine but in the way they appear to us then uh they appear to us in distinct and in what appear to be distinct relational roles and i think beaky is very good about about laying this out uh distinct relational roles uh that Again, coming on the end of this and looking at the revealed effect of this, uh, we see this uh, as uh, as an order. Uh, we see the Father, uh, the Father's decrees. We see the Son's ob- uh, obedient servanthood, and and uh, uh, eventually, as in the incarnation, 
of of uh, carrying out the of carrying out the uh, the decrees, and then we see the the Holy Spirit uh, as the one as the Spirit of the Father and of the Son, mm-hmm. uh, who proceeds from both of them uh, to implement basically the redemption, which was which was decreed or planned and wrought by the Savior. Uh, and in that, you see all all the aspects of that. Uh, and in my mind, as I look at that, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I see one base of being, and then I kind of see three circles or three kind of, uh, things dropping off from that father, yeah. son, and Holy spirit connected to it. it. As you trace it back up, they're all connected to the being. In other words, they all have a common source, but yet they have their own distinct mm-hmm. identities. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I, I think that's where we get into the real troubles. And I, I, I can't remember if it's in this chapter or the next one. And, and if it's in the next one, we'll get to this. This is really crystallized in the whole concept of the monogonase of the only of the only begotten, because the word uh, genos here is actually the word we use in biological taxonomy in terms mm-hmm. of genus. Uh, we classify living beings by that. And so there's a struggle there early on to use that word uh, and to uh, and to and that's where a lot of the early heresies derive is just say, OK, he's one of a kind. OK, well, well, how does that happen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, well, but again, I mean, and the point that Beaky says in the point of the of the councils is we drive it beyond that and say, OK, scriptural scriptural data for this would suggest it's not just one of a kind, but it is a denial. I mean, it's a beginning. I mean, it's a it, it's a it's a creation not in the sense of something that never existed before coming forward, but it's a creation in the sense that what was eternally so uh, from the Father uh, came forth the Son. And we see this, and we see this in the way it's revealed to us in Scripture. But I think, and Mike, I think you you touched on this as well. I, I think even in the names that the Bible reveals to us of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, each one of those makes no sense without the uh, w- without the uh, w- without the assumption of the other. In other words, there cannot be a son without the father. Uh, and, and I think I think as as it's revealed, we see that. And Beaky says we go to the biblical foundation of this, uh, and we move and we move to that, and we move forward from that, and, and that's where we draw it from. So uh, there again, we are left with mystery. Uh, but again, it, I think the important things we see here, and I'll, I'll uh, uh, again, as you say, we could go on forever with this, but I'll wrap it up. Uh, the important things with this, again, are to are to maintain the distinct persons and personalities uh, of the members of the Trinity, uh, while at the same time saying, uh, while at the same time affirming that each one of them is e- uh, shares equally in in the Godhead, in the Godhead, each one of them shares equally in divinity. Yeah. The Father is no more divine than the Son. The Son no more divine than the Spirit, and so forth. They all, they all embody it. It's just in the way they're presented to us and their roles. Uh, Mike, as you were saying, in the economic Trinity, um, in, in, in as an, as a demonstration of the essential Trinity, really the economic Trinity is the accommodated way we have to understand it. Uh, and then from that, basically, that's where we derive our, our doctrine, our derive our theology, uh, is to uh, is to see that all of them are eternal, all of them have 
a role, uh, whereas at Intra in themselves, uh, they operate they operate uh, together uh, in unity, uh, but yet indeed each having their separate their separate existences. Which again, I can't put my finger on it, and it, again, it's hard on this desk to get. It. But I think one 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 word he he uses constantly. And I think is key to understanding this is incommunicable. The first time I read that, I, I'm saying, okay, we we talked about communicable and incommunicable attributes when we talked about the doctrine of God, the the one God, before we got into the Trinity. Uh, is that what he means by that? No, I, I think what he means by that incommunicable in the sense that they are uniquely identified, and yeah. and, and and they are unique to that particular person. The son is not the father. The son is not the spirit. Uh, each one of them is fully is fully divine, uh, 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 having their having their full their having their 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 uh, their full Godhead. Uh, but they don't communicate. They don't communicate their attributes to each other. Uh, they share from the common being, but they don't communicate the attributes to each other. And that just blew my mind. Uh, and trying to consider that again. So um, that's kind of where I am on, on that chapter. I mean, Van, as you said, we could go on forever. Nicene is a great, is a great start to that. Good, good. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's go straight into, and, and Marvin has kind of gotten us there. Let's, let's go to the theology of it. So we looked at, uh, you know, some of the historical development. It's interesting that he put this in the order he did. I would think that you did yeah. the theology first and then the historical development. So, so looking at this, let's, let's try to, uh, let's try to sort of pigeonhole our discussion in, in three areas. Let's talk about the persons, which Marvin, you've already touched on that before. What, what does person mean when we talk about the three persons of the Trinity? What does that mean? Let's talk about the, uh, the eternal generation of the sun or the eternal beginning of the sun. And then let's talk about the procession or the proceeding of the Holy spirit. So uh, those are three big ticket items. Well, they are, just, aren't they? <laughs> we just, yeah. We just got a few minutes to talk about it. I so I just want to kick it off with what um, Beaky says about uh, personhood. When we talk about the Trinity, we talk about the three persons of the Trinity. He says this on page 931 at the bottom, he says, Theologians often refer to a person as a subsistence, and I, I won't read the Latin, I'll just skip it, as a subsistence, hypostasis, or subject to distinguish it from God's one nature, essence, or substance. But this does not tell us much about what a person is. Of course, we cannot give an adequate definition of any divine person, for God is infinite. And to that I say, amen. Amen. <laughs> it is exceedingly difficult for us to define the meaning of a mere human person. However, we should at least be able to offer some explanation of what we mean by the word person. And then he begins by starting off saying that persons are relational. And to me, I, yeah. I think that is the key. And Absolutely. when we talk about the eternal beginning of the sun, the proceeding of the Holy Spirit, uh, to me, to keep it away from a, a creational thing, as if you're creating something that wasn't there, right? It's it's the eternal establishment of a relationship. Yeah. That yeah. that a a son is not born in the sense that that he comes forth like like they would be to us, right. but the relationship. 
right. is established there. And the relationship is eternal. These are yeah. hard, for, uh, hard things for us to no. wrap our minds around. So guys, let me throw it to you all. When you talk about persons, how, how do you, how, how do you, you know, give description to that? How do you try to to put your arms around that? And I know it's difficult. Even what you said, Marvin, in your illustration uh, about you know you got the the essence, and then you got the three persons dropping down. I know for me, it's even hard because because when all of a sudden you see three things dropping down, three persons dropping down, it's hard not to see three essences dropping exactly. down. Exactly, and that's that the struggle. Essence. Yeah, no, exactly. That's the struggle. Yeah. So Mike, yeah. what 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 do you what do you see <laughs> wow. in all this when we talk about personhood or persons or relations within the Trinity, eternal okay. relations? Okay. And I gotta admit this this gets into some deep stuff. I mean, and I was uh, brothers. It all is deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was scratching my head reading all this stuff about relational, both yeah. volitional and all this stuff, and I'm going, wow. And and, I, and, and, and in all fairness, uh Beaky puts this on a lower shelf pretty much than anybody else does. So this is about mm-hmm. as good as it gets. Would you agree, Van? Yeah. No, yeah. 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 And even then, I'm still like, I have to read that two or three times. Exactly. Exactly. But I, I guess in, on the relational aspects of personal relationships, um, uh, uh, he brought in the the fact that uh, the uh, the the uh, personal quality of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit appears in the I though relationship as though they are with one another and 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 us. I mean, he he uh, clarified the uh, his relational approach to personhood. We um, that he made two points. Uh, we cannot reduce a person to a mere relation, but recognize every person exists in a relationship with the others. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, as far as his reference to the I though, uh, he said this kind of relationship shared by persons. Uh, uh, we, he said, we do not intend to identify a person as an I, the whole triune God says I am, but does not thereby identify itself as a single person. So, I mean, it's, um, again, it's, it's there, they, they all, the three entities uh, share one divine, I guess, one divine uh, essence. And, uh, and they're, uh, and they are also, in addition to rational, they're, they're, they're uh, volitional. Um, and, uh, what do you mean? Uh, what did he, how did he share that? Um, uh, a, uh, volition they, has to do with the will. Yeah. The will they, 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 uh, speaking of this, um, what is it? that each person has his own distinct knowledge and will, but the three persons of the Trinity share one knowledge and one will mm-hmm. that they share the, even though they're different in, um, through a three, three, they're one that they share the same knowledge and one will They're They're one God. I mean, like, uh, well, the one divine being that they, they, they have that come like, I go back to the, to that, the, that example of analogy, and maybe it's not all analogies break down, but, you got that that link, and you pull on one, and, and they're all together. I mean, they they're all linked together, uh, sharing a, a common uh, a, a common knowledge, a common will. Uh, and then, uh, but at the same time, they have a they have a, a unique identity. And I guess this will get in with their uh, relationships uh, uh, with other other uh, the each each other. Um, um, 
And he, he uses the term, each person is peculiar and special. God speaks of Christ as his only begotten son, not just a son, but in some cases, uh, in some sense, the son, the, the third person of the Trinity is never called father or son, but the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Some of this, uh, I mean, again, I, I was scratching my head and I, I really need to go back in and read more of this. But I mean, it uh, brought up things that I had never uh, even uh, in the past heard about you know, in regards to the study of the Trinity. So to me, it was very eye opening. Again, I, I'll say again. Um, but I guess the, uh, the, 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 the unique, uh, the uniqueness of it, um, um, of each one, but yet they, they have, a, they pull from a common, uh, a common knowledge, a, a common goal, a common purpose. I mean, and they would, they would, I mean, you, they would have to, cause they complement each other in what God, it gets into what God, uh, you know, before uh, before creation, God had had decreed what would happen, and they mm -hmm. each have a role in carrying out that decree that God made. But they're different entities, and I guess uh, would, the best way to say it would be they have different uh, functions for a common knowledge and common purpose that they all strive for. Uh, and uh, one thing too that this has reinforced is I've, I've been reading when I read uh, in the Bible, I always look for uh, I look for the uh, the the work of the Holy Trinity uh, uh, in in Scripture as I read it. I say where where do I see the Trinity at work here, uh, and where is it apparent? And and they're not working against each other; they're working with each other. I mean, it's like. I think someone put it one time, you know, like the love they share, they try to out, they, they try to, they try to, they, they have that unity and love, but their, their, their love is equal for one another. And it's, uh, it's, it, it's a beautiful thing, but a th hard thing to understand is uh, y'all were saying earlier. So uh, I'm not uh, sure, but I, I, again, I enjoyed reading it. It uh, gave, gives me a lot to think about and a lot, a lot more to, uh, to uh, meditate on and, and, and continue to study to grow in my knowledge, my limited mm -hmm. knowledge of the Trinity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good, very good, brother. Well, Marvin, and and if you want to give a comment on on personhood or subsistence, uh, go ahead. But uh, but I also want to get us into the Son's eternal generation. So, yes. uh, brother, let me just read a few things on that, and I'll toss it to you again. If sure. you want to, if you want to yeah. touch on personhood and then go into it, that would be great. But uh. Uh, but Beaky talks about that, the son's eternal generation. And he says this on page uh, 934. He says, yeah, that's exactly where I am right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Since the three divine persons are one divine nature, the beginning of the son does not refer to the generation of Christ out of the divine essence, mm -hmm. but to the generation of another person in the same divine essence, the person of the father begets the person of the son. And then he gives Donald McLeod's uh, yep. sort of his, his four bullets there. He That's says, very this, helpful. Yeah. The father's generation of the son transcends any human or biological generation. In other words, not just, he's not creating like, like, yep. like we would think of begetting or, or generation. Then he says, second, this generation does not mean the father is prior to the son in time, both are eternal. And in third, he says the generation is not the same as the spirit's procession. God is only one son. And in fourth, Christ's generation is not creation. The son is not a creature, but God. So Marvin, brother, I'll toss it to you. 
help us uh help us walk through this what does it mean because when we say begotten we're automatically thinking of uh well to put it in terms like this someone who sires another you know right uh we we all hey i just realized this we've all just begotten only daughters right yeah, yeah about <laughs> yeah. that so so when we think about that that that's what we think about uh but yet that's not what we're talking about here because that would be talking about creation that would be talking right. about a time when the sun was not and then he came right. into existence so marvin help us out with this brother no i uh landing on 934 is exactly where i was so that's a good that's a good uh board to, to jump off of there um I think, again, as you said, I think one thing, and it's mentioned in several places here, uh, that that is a presupposition of all this, uh, and is where uh, error, particularly in the modern in the modern era, comes in, is that mm -hmm. God is a spirit. So, uh, whatever is true of a spirit, does a spirit have a physical existence? The answer right. is no. Uh, so, in that sense, then that immediately puts up guardrails against trying to think of it, Van, as you said, or as McLeod lays out here, trying to think about in terms of a, uh, um, uh, Abraham, be, a, Abraham begot J uh, Jacob, you know, in that sense, then there was a time, uh, there was a time that, uh, uh, that, uh, Jacob did not uh, exist. Uh, and now he does, uh, but he existed, but he existed in the, in the loins or in the, uh, biologically, from Abraham and from Sarah, for that matter, spirit we 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 don't have that, so we all, we automatically are driven to another level to try to understand when it says that spirit begets spirit. Uh, we know that it automatically, categorically, is a different thing altogether. So that's where we are in trying to go to the next step on that. Is what exactly does that mean? And this is where we get into really, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, we get into really the the basis or the genesis of a lot of errors in that regard. Uh, the Aryan the Aryan controversy, which just roared through Africa at a time, it was at one point, I think, fair to say, it was almost the majority opinion, which is sad to to think about. And again, as an aside, there, it's amazing what God has preserved the the error that the God has preserved the church from. Uh, for for people that faithfully search the scriptures, uh, but again, it, there's that idea of the only begotten in terms of one of a kind, rather than uh, one begotten, uh, one of a begotten kind. In mm -hmm. other words, whatever the kind is, it has to be in its spirit. It has to be like it has to be like the Father, and I use it in terms of just the raw describing the phenomenon itself. Um, but as the the father begets the son, we know that he's going to be first of all spiritual and spiritual in nature, uh, in 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 his uh, in his essence, uh, he's gonna he's gonna be spiritual because spirit begets spirit. Um, in, in that particular, again, when we're looking at that which is not caused, and we're looking at that which lies at the root of this, spirit as kind begets spirit as kind. Now, again, where we get into the ad extra or the, the way it from the point uh, uh, from the point of Genesis 1, 1 onward, then that's when the clock starts ticking. And then we start uh, talking about the effects of creation and relationship 
But before that, we do, as we said, see in Genesis 1, the Trinity, uh, God the Son, even though he is not identified there, in John 1, he is identified, isn't he? Uh, he, uh, he, is the, he is the one who is, uh, who is the only begotten God. He is the one who, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And again, I mean, j- just as a brief aside, uh, when a Jehovah's Witnesses show up at your door, they, uh, the one thing they'll always throw out, well, B.F. Westcott says, <laughs> you know, that he was a God. Yeah. Well, again, he mentions Westcott in another context here. Yeah, he's a he troublemaker. He's a troublemaker. Uh, but the but the sense of there, I mean, Caldwell's rule of the article there uh, would suggest, uh, by comparison with the other texts, not only biblical but ancient, uh, is a fact that uh, that's an Arthurus. In other, it doesn't have an article. Uh, so, in that sense, then we see that he was there. So we read. So, Mike, the point you're making in terms of uh, uh, looking for the Trinity wherever you wherever you're reading in your Bible, and by that I know Old and New Testament. Um, what you're looking what you're looking for there, and that's why we depend so much upon types and shadows, and that is because he has pro- he has progressively revealed to us. Then all of a sudden, with the coming of Christ. Uh, then when God becomes uh, when God becomes flesh or takes on human form, that is the Son of God takes on human form. Uh, then again, the eternal Son of God, who is Spirit, who is begotten by the Father and His Spirit, and the Holy Spirit proceeds from as Spirit from the Father and the Son. So at that point, then He takes on flesh, and that's where, and that's where again another level of potential errors come uh, comes into uh, comes into into sight here uh in the fact then that uh that we now have not that we now have in the incarnation uh, we now have a being uh in the in the sense of a person uh who is both fully divine and fully human um and seeing that work out, and, uh, and seeing that work out, then uh, is a challenge then to understanding the eternally begotten Son, because again we scratch our heads, and again we're we're sequence in order, chron- chronological uh, creatures, and so we try to think of this before this, this before this, which is the natural, which is a natural way of causation to think about that. But in the Godhead, we we don't see that. But yet, whenever in the fullness of time, as Paul says in Galatians, God sends forth his son, then we do see a finite incarnation of the son of God, uh, a finite in the sense that he takes a body, a finite in the sense that uh, he takes on our he takes on our nature uh, and all the, the strengths and weaknesses of that. Um, and then he lives as the second Adam in that. Uh, but now he's now having been. Uh, having lived, died, been resurrected, and ascended back into heaven, now uh, he is. Uh, uh, now we look of him as the eternally begotten Son of God. We now look at him, and scripturally, we now are. We have to contend now with both of those together. He is still the eternally begotten Son. He always was before he ever, uh, before he ever took on flesh. But does that modify the the eternal son? 
does that modify him in the sense that uh in the sense that it is a to use star wars terminology it's a disturbance of the force in, in other words is the godhead affected or is the godhead changed by the fact that he came that he came into human flesh and the answer is no because mm-hmm. that was always a part of the divine son that was mm-hmm. always a part of the uh, before from eternity uh when the when the father began the son and the holy spirit proceeded from both of them uh in in, in addition uh in in fulfillment and in mutual interpenetration or cooperation with the, with each other uh the spirit basically is the uh is the uh, implementation or uh, that's not a good word to use but the one who who carries out that father-son relationship, and who is mutually, uh, who is uh, mutually uh, uh, sharing in those attributes with the same mind, with the same will, uh, in a distinct personality, and so that's why in that case then we see uh, that's why in that case then we see uh, that the the father, son, and the Holy Spirit still are eternally so, and it's not disrupted by the incarnation. But it is the occasion where a lot of mischief is done, uh, and in trying to and in trying to come with that, and we see that in uh, in the uh, in the modern development of the of the doctrine of the Trinity, as uh, as uh, Beaky says, as we see that basically as either a deviation into gross error, such as the LDS uh, and um, uh others but but also in terms of the development of panentheism that is god is in everything and god is working himself out through human events and the incarnation being a, a role of those so um i think uh, I, I think that's where the touch points are those where the danger points are in that uh, but at the same time realizing that he is he is uh, he is the eternal son um and there is the eternal spirit. Uh, and again, in a way we don't understand that all three of those, all three of those are uh, distinct persons with the same, with the same will, the same substance, uh, the same mind. Uh, the mind of the son is the mind of the father uh, so that they are completely at one in that. And Jesus himself says that in John's gospel. And the Holy Spirit also is shares the mind of uh, of the Son and the Father, and we see that in Romans eight in relationship to prayer. Uh, so that we see there is an interpenetration and a sharing of that essence, uh, while at the same time in their economic role, seeing that worked out for us in time and space in a way which God eternally at one at once in the godhood and this is a point van makes so well and we need to always get back to is in terms of the eternal god as father son and holy spirit we don't have a chronology there we don't have a time we have a stated order to us but it does not it does not uh imply uh, subordination it does not apply any kind of uh, created order and again this is where the uh, the uh, the analogies that we have break down so easily, but Van, as you said, basically in eternity, God God dwelled or God exists, existed and exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
and in, the, and in an eternal way as a reflection of the Godhead and as a reflection of uh, his ultimate divine wisdom. And so that the three of those work together in the fulfilling of that, which then has a lot to do with the decrees. And I, I like where he put the, the, the chapter on decrees because I, because I, I think it flows very well out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, brother. Mike, you have anything to add to this? Uh, the eternal generation of the sun? Uh, no, I mean, just as Marvin was going through it, I was, <clears throat> I, I was, uh, tried to take notes as I read through it. Um, and, uh, just, uh, uh, see, uh, on the, the begotten, I mean, uh, he brings in the, the, the one and only unique, uh, is yep. another way to tra- translate it. So, I mean, unique in the aspect, and I, I like what, what you said in it, and it covered in the book that God is spirit. So, you know, um, uh, Christ is also spirit. I mean, he's, he's spirit right. and he took on flesh. I mean, right. Uh, so, I mean, uh, I, that, that, uh, that's what I always locked in because the ver- translations I always heard is not, you know, not his one and only son, but his one and only unique son, right. unique in the fact that there's no other like him. And yeah. He- and go on. I'm sorry, Mark. Uh, yeah. And that's where that word genus or, or kind comes in. That's yeah. the pro and uh, Mike, I, I think you've latched on really to the proper application of that unique in the sense, uh, as we understand him, uh, as we understand God is spirit. It, it, one of a kind in that sense in that yeah. sense yeah. yeah yeah very good very good well let, let me just wrap it up by reading uh beaky summation here uh i like what he says on 939 you, you talk about the uh the the biggest understatement you could ever say he says the eternal generation of the sun is a mystery <laughs> yeah, that kind of sums it up doesn't it is it is it <laughs> and then down at the bottom of the page he says however we can't affirm on the basis of god's word that the person of the son is begotten of the father and therefore is always the son from the father and then the next page going over he says this the Father's eternal generation of the Son gives crucial support to the doctrine of the Trinity. It provides the ontological basis of the mutual indwelling of the Father and the Son, for it reveals that the Son's personal life comes from the Father, and so the Father lives in the Son. And that's, you know, we talked about before perichoresis. And, right, and, exactly. Uh, there, there, there's your Cam Debussy moment. There you go. There you go. I wonder if there's an AI bot listening to this. It's gonna, <laughs> that's gonna alert, alert the Reform Forum guys. Uh, may, who knows? Big Brother is listening. Yeah. So he says the Father's beginning of the Son undergirds the order of their relation, and to me that 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 word relation is is the one word that helps me grasp all of this and i'll say a little something about it after i finish this paragraph but he says the father's beginning of the son undergirds the order of their relation so that the father always sends the son to do his will and the son never sends the father however order is not subordination or inferiority in dignity or authority since the doctrine asserts the generation of a person of the same divine nature with infinite glory, majesty, and authority, it guards the full deity of God's Son from subordinationism. This doctrine distinguishes the eternally generated Son from the creatures that the triune God made in time. So, so again, as I try to put this together, 
Okay, it's, it's not it's not a, a a creation. It's not something that's being made. Uh, what we have here is we have a relationship. It yeah. is a relationship of three different persons, three different subsistences, all having that one essence. And so it is these personages, if I can say that word, subsistences, persons, but but even their 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 generation or their sending, you know, the difference between the son and the spirit, even that is of eternal nature. So that yes, that never had a beginning either. So yes. it's not it's not that we've got a new essence or a new entity right. having a beginning. Uh they're not created, but right. yet even the relationships, we say, okay, well, they're just relationships and 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 these relationships are not created by creating different people or different beings their their relationship is eternal as well so that's not uh created in the sense that's always been but yet it is a divine order it is it is the divine relationships that the son has always eternally been the son that the holy spirit has always eternally been the holy spirit of god that the son is eternally begotten of the father that the holy spirit proceeds eternally from the son and the father so uh that helps me kind of start to put my arms around it but even yeah. then I, I cannot fully explain that i mean yeah. i just i don't have a category for that i don't have nope. someone in my daily life that i've run into that that nope. they're like that you know yeah exactly now, and I, I would say one other thing, and I know, I know, uh, as Porter Wagner say, the old clock on the walls caught up with us here. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I just say this: we, we will, uh, when we head into predestination next time, we'll just yep. put the doctrine of God's decree on. on well, that you today. have to because it's so important. But uh, I, I like what you said, and I think it's so important relation. And I think this is a strength of Beaky section as well. And I look at it in terms of relation and kind relation and kind in other words the kind there being spirit the uh, the eternal god in, in relationship is is in relationship as spirit in all the ways that we've said now where it blows our mind is uh, as created beings unlike the animals we are created with a spirit and so there is a relationship in kind with god in uh, through spirit uh that is different from theirs but again it is the ground upon which we can know uh and we can fellowship with and we can adore god because there is that by analogy and by create and by the imago dei by the created order there is within us a spirit which is able then to communicate with god to know god and to fellowship in a pale reflection of the relation and fellowship of the Godhead. Amen. Amen. Well, real quick, we are about one minute over, but I do just want to touch on very quickly uh, because we don't want to neglect the Holy spirit as he's often done in the church, right. but, exactly. uh, but let's just give a word real quick to the proceeding of the Holy spirit. So uh, the, the father does not proceed from the Holy spirit. The son does not proceed from the Holy spirit. The spirit proceeds from the father and the son. Yeah, what is that all about? Well, I'll go and I'll go and I'll go very quickly because I know we're out of time. Uh, it has to do, as Mike was saying, with the filioque clause, uh, confessionally or 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 historically. Uh, but it has, but it has to do with uh, with the role of the Holy Spirit in relationship to the Father and the Son. In that sense, then we say 
that the Father sends the Spirit and the Son sends the Spirit, not eternally, as Beaky says, spiration. Uh, and that's a, a word I had to look up. <laughs> I knew it had something to do with breathing, but, mm-hmm. uh, but inspiration, it's an eternal, it's an eternal spiration. Uh, but as Jesus then says, I will send the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's not uh, that there is where he is stating the eternal, the eternal plan of the father, which he is in complete unity with. Uh, he, he, he talks about it in time of that, mm-hmm. which was eternally planned. So. Right, right, and that, and before I toss it over to you, might just touch on that, and that gets to the 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 ad intra that ad extra works exactly. Of God. The exactly. decree of God is ad intra, even as you were talking before about Christ, you know, and and his his ad extra work of redemption, but yet it was in the mind of God, and the Scripture says He was uh, the Lamb, you know, crucified. For the sin uh, before the foundation of the world, yes, and so in the mind of God and the, the decree of God, that has eternally taken place. Exactly, so but my, yet the okay. fulfillment is in time. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, one of the first things that came to mind when you were were, were talking about that, I, I just uh, uh, I just wrote down a single word. You know, the 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 unity. I mean, with the with the work of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit is you know it's all part of yes. it. That, that unity, that oneness, yes, and um, and then that uh, what the what the spirit, you know, the 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 sending of the spirit to, to dwell us. I mean, that that helps us in our in our uh, commune or commune with God the Father and God the Son. I mean, it's it it it's 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 uh, I think it's when one of your messages, man. I mean, it, it's it's uh, you know. Uh, the same spirit that dwells me is the same spirit that dwells every other believer. And it's, we're one in, in spirit. We're one in unity. We're one in love, uh, love one in Christ. And I, uh, so I, I just, and it's, and I, I mean, I, it's, I, I don't, I can't really say anything else. I mean, it's, uh, uh, I, and on, and he, he talks about the, the spirit and, and the, and the uh, sending of the spirit and, it just means that uh, he says that we must pray to the Father for the Holy Spirit as hungry children ask their Father for food and trust that they will receive it. I mean, we have the Holy Spirit, but we we need to we need to feed the Holy. You know, we we need to uh, to to be full of the Holy Spirit. You know, reading God's Word, asking to be more filled. Uh, we can't be more uh, filled any more than we are, but we we can cause the Spirit to stir in us, stir in us, to create a uh, in our hearts a. a more of a revelation, understanding of God's word and who God is, and who Christ is. I mean, that, uh, so I mean, I, I, the spirit is very, plays a vi- very vital function uh, as part of the Trinity and accomplishing God's uh, decree as far as uh, the decree of salvation. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Good word to end up on. So Marvin, brother, would you mind closing us in, in prayer today? And as I said, we, we would plan to look at, uh, the decree of God today, but uh, this just filled our time. So we will uh, put that in with our uh, our beginning, our next chapter. The first chapter we read next time is on predestination. And so these these marvelously fit together, right. the decree of God they and do. predestination. Certainly and do. so, Lord willing, we will kick that off uh, Monday week when we record again. So until that time, brother, would you close us? Sure. Our Father, these are mysteries that transcend our understanding. And mm. uh, Lord, as we have talked with us, we have readily confessed that, that we are trying to grasp eternal things with uh, 
with minds that are finite, but yet by the same token, uh, uh, through the spirit whom you have given to us, created in your image, but yet who has been renewed and redeemed and broken from the chain of sin, which is, again, uh, affects everything that we have so that we by the spirit may know you and we may know the know the mind of christ and we may know the will of the father the son and the holy spirit uh in unity uh which is uh, as we consider it um in practice very often comes by the power of the holy spirit but as beaky says basically as we as we worship or adore one member of the Godhead, uh, we always are drawn in by the others. And, and this is the model that we see from eternity and the eternal fellowship of the Godhood is that they are constantly in relationship with each other in a way that magnifies the glory of the Godhead uh, and in a way that we will never know really, even any, even when eternity, even in eternity, uh, we will never know the fullness of it, for he is God. But yet we thank you that you have given us enough light to where we can walk in obedience and enjoy uh, and enjoy uh, by the ministry of the Holy Spirit uh, that great salvation which the Father, uh, which the Father planned, the Son wrought, and the Spirit applies. Uh, all glory to the Trinity. We want to uh, praise you for that and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much, brothers. It has been so good to be on with you this morning and to be able to, to talk about this, this high doctrine of, of the Trinity. Yeah, so, it is. All right. Well, we will see you uh, next time. And uh, Lord willing, we will be talking about, again, the eternal decree of God and predestination and some other things too, as well. Yeah. So brothers, may the Lord bless you and uh, we'll see you then. Okay. Okay. Amen. Thank Amen. you. All right.